Today, I'm excited as we get to uh, sort of pause in between some of the things that we have planned to talk about uh, and slow down a little bit. All right, as I was preparing for the fall here, uh, I I spent some time just reflecting on what God has been uh, speaking to me, and I feel like God's been speaking to our church and what he's been doing over this summer. Uh, And and what I feel like he has been speaking uh, about is, is this idea of community, okay? And I wanted to take this week and try to just remind us of something that is incredibly important and vital to each one of our lives, and, and that is community. Like this idea of community. All right, as we went through the book of Acts this summer, we, we took the time from Easter all the way up until uh, just recently going through the book of Acts. Uh, the thing that you saw over and over was that the early church had created and was continuing to create and was so deeply committed to this idea of community. All right, and then we just finished a series that we called Local, where we asked, what does it look like for us to build the kingdom of God locally, like right here where we are in our towns, in the community that you live in? Like, what does it look like for you to be part of that, for God to use you to actually have an impact uh, on the community that's around you? And as I spent time thinking and praying over uh, where I wanted to go with this week that's kind of just a standalone week, uh, I just felt this idea of community, but not as a continuation or, or a repetition of what we've already talked about. Like, we've, we've been talking about community. Instead, I want to talk about the community uh, that is right here inside these walls, like this church community. As much as we've talked about it, we haven't fully talked about the idea of, like, what does it look like to be part of this? All right, uh, so often we refer to our church as a church family. But I know that for many of us, you maybe don't see this as a family for you. Or maybe you don't feel like you're part of the family or like you're not needed in this family. I want to call us to something today. I want us to look at how important it is that we are part of community. Not just for the sake of everyone else, but for you as well. All right, because right in the middle of community, and I kind of love this, right in the middle of that word community is just the letter U. All right, and I think that that, that that is so important for us, that you are part of community. You are the center of community. All right, and for your sake, you need to be part of community. So I want us just to kind of be ready for something new today. Uh, let's be open to whatever God has for you, all right? And let's do this together, not just as individuals. Uh, you know, church isn't about just coming here and getting what you need. It's about coming together, all right, and collectively being open to God and collectively hearing from God and collectively responding to him. We've kind of lost that in our modern church. Everything is so individual in our society, But there is so much that is meant to be done together as a community, and I want to challenge us this morning to do that. So uh, if you are willing, if you're able, would you stand with me across the place? I want to just open us in prayer, all right, and then uh, we will continue on here. So God, we, we just ask right now, Lord, that as we look to your word, God, as we look at some, some passages that we've heard before and as we talk through this idea, we maybe think we know what community is and maybe we do. God, we pray that, that this would be a fresh challenge though, something that we would be open to and something that we would uh, be looking for, how do I actually put this into practice in my life? So Lord, we just give you permission right now to absolutely kind of rock our world and, and just kind of shake us up and, and change what needs to be changed. We ask that in your name. Amen. All right, you can have a a seat. 
All right, I, I'm a big proponent of spending time to learn about yourself, okay? Uh, that sounds kind of uh, maybe a little weird, but I, I think there are a lot of different ways to do this. How many of you guys have ever taken some type of personality test before? Okay, whether it's like a legitimate personality test or it was like, which Harry Potter character are you? And you answer five questions about like your favorite food and somehow they give you that. Like, okay, so it's just this idea of like, how do I learn a little bit more about myself? How do I kind of figure out uh, what this is? And I think it's important to kind of know what makes you tick. Like figuring out how you best learn. Learning what you need in your environment around you to succeed. Uh, these are all good things. Now, obviously some of those can be taken to extremes like anything. Uh, and I think it's healthy in moderation. All right, when we look at these as tools to understand, like, how did God make me? How did God make me? And we begin to view ourselves as the unique creation that we are, instead of trying to emulate and mimic everybody around us. Okay, when we really feel that uniqueness, um, I think it allows God to have an impact through us. When we understand that, we, we believe in that, we love that, and we move in that direction. All right. Uh, where this can be dangerous, though, is when we allow this to basically kind of pigeonhole us and put us in a box of how we think God can use us or what things we can do and can't do. Okay. One of the most basic categories of kind of personality things uh, is this. Like, especially if you've done like Myers Briggs before, the very first letter it's it's introvert or extrovert. Okay, so maybe, most likely, you've probably heard those words before, introvert, extrovert, all right, but I want to dispel some fallacies about them. Uh, just because you are extroverted, all right, I am extroverted, does not mean that you love everyone, okay? Uh, trust me, all right? It does not mean that you are super loud and obnoxious and that you constantly want to be around large groups of people. Right? That's what we kind of think of an extrovert. Okay? Now, uh, similarly, just because you are an introvert doesn't mean that you are shy and anxious and you hate everybody. Okay? Like that, I think that's kind of some of the ideas that people have about it. Uh, it has a lot more to do with um, kind of this idea of like, where do you gain energy or where, where do you kind of get recharged? Where's your motivation come from? How do you best process things? Okay? So extroverts, they might have a long day at work. And to recharge, they want to get together with some friends, maybe externally out loud process their day, talk about it. Like that is going to recharge them and they are then ready to take on uh, whatever they need to do. Introverts, when exhausted, most likely want to have some quiet time alone by themselves to process their day and recharge and to be ready for what is next. All right? In, in our family... Uh, we have two boys and, and then we have a daughter. Our two boys, one is an extrovert and one is an introvert. And it's like super obvious to us, okay? Uh, when they get home from school, like they handle that first hour home from school very differently from each other. All right, Ruben, our oldest, like he wants to tell us all about it. He wants to talk about it. Then he wants to go outside and play. He wants to see if any of the neighbor kids want to play. He wants to see if mom and dad want to play. And he's like pulling in his siblings. Let's, let's go do this. Let's, yeah, this is going to be great. Arvid, on the other hand, our middle child, he like gets home and disappears. And he goes into their room and he wants to just build Legos. He wants to read a book. He wants to look at, like, all the characters in Star Wars and, like, all these types of things. He just needs his alone time. 
And we've found, like, if we have a long day, we have to spell out the day for him to say, we're doing this, then we're going here, then we're doing that. As long as he knows what's coming and he knows that there's a time that where he can have some alone time, he can have some play time, like, he'll be okay. But he knows that he needs that, okay? Uh, this is kind of the extrovert, introvert type of thing. Both of these have great strengths, uh, and most likely, like, most people actually change over time. All right, why do I bring all this up? Well, when talking about the need for community, I think uh, often this can be one of the biggest pushbacks that I hear. And I actually hear it from both sides. Okay, the extroverts often will say, I already have community. Like, I have a ton of people in my life, and I, I have all the people that I want in my life. Okay? And, and the introverts are like, I don't really want to be around more people. Like, you're saying the opposite uh, of what I want. Okay, well, when we talk about community and being in community, it's easy to find ways to discount ourselves from the discussion. All right, like it's really easy to say, um, okay, I, I think everything you're saying is great, but it's just not for me or it's not what I need right now. All right, so I want us to understand the importance of this specific community, a church community, and how it is needed for every single one of us, no matter how God wired you, okay? All right, so I'm going to have a few different things that I'm going to kind of make points of that are going to build on each other. The first one is this. It's pretty simple. I've already said it. We need community, all right? And I want to kind of make a little bit of the argument for this. Like I said earlier, yesterday I had a chance to perform a wedding ceremony um, for a couple. It's part of our church, and it was such a fun and exciting day as they get to embark on this new adventure together. And this week, as I was preparing for both the wedding and for the message today on Sunday, I found myself kind of combining some of these thoughts and just God, I feel like speaking to me, kind of showing some of these things in both uh, of how they're almost related to each other. All right, a classic passage that is said at weddings is from Genesis, all right? In Genesis 2, we find this specific account of the Garden of Eden, okay? In Genesis 2, 18 says this, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Okay, maybe you've heard this verse before. For many people, when we hear this verse, I think we think of weddings. We think of a marriage, all right? We think of a man and a woman joining together. So uh, I'm going to ask you sort of a trick question here right now. The context of this verse. What happens in the story right after this verse? Okay, and I'm going to tell you this, like, I got this wrong. Okay, so if, if anyone wants to take a stab and just be nice and, and maybe be wrong for all of us, maybe you're going to get it right. I don't know. What happens right after this verse? And where, where does your mind go? Okay, my mind went... Okay, God turns around and makes the woman. How many of you guys would say, yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. Like, that's the context of this verse. Okay, the interesting thing, actually following this, God says it's not good for man to be alone. He goes and creates animals and birds. All right, now, now you're probably like, oh yeah, I remember this. And then, you know, gives the man the job of basically naming all of them, which you're like, that's awful. I would hate that job. Um, and, and so like that's, that's kind of the context of this. Now eventually he creates a woman because the animals aren't a suitable partner for the man. They don't fulfill the need for partnership. So what's interesting though about this verse, it, is, it isn't necessarily meant to specifically talk about marriage. Like we often use it in that context. But when we actually back up and look at this, like what it is, is first and foremost, 
It's God speaking about isolation and how it isn't good. Now, all these little lines in Genesis, when God does something and then he calls it good, like think about Genesis, he makes this and it was good, and he does this and it was good. Uh, like we can remember this. What is happening is God is actually giving structure and order to the world, and that order is good. That, that's what he's saying here. So what we have here is that isolation isn't the order that God intended. Instead, community is that proper order. So from the very beginning, God wanted mankind to be in community. As the biblical story progresses, we continue to see God's people being in community. So many of the laws that are in those early books that don't always make sense to us, like so many of them actually have to do with living in community, like how to treat one another. If this uh, tragic situation happens, here's how you repay that person. Here's what you need to do. This is how you live together in community, not get into arguments, not get into fights. Uh, there's a bunch of food laws and, and purity laws, and that's actually about like staying pure, not so that like you yourself are holy and righteous, like there's part of that, but it's so that you aren't removed from the community. Because what happens when someone actually becomes unclean? They get removed from the community for a time, until they can become clean again. Like when you read through the Old Testament, that's what happens. And God doesn't want us removed from community. He wants us in community. His desired structure is this. All right, and, and this has been part of, as you go through scriptures, you go through the Bible, we see this over and over again. Okay, so if, if we need community, if we need relationships then why can't I just be satisfied with the relationships that I have already in life? Maybe you're an extrovert that has tons of people in your life. Why do I need to make room for more of that and have these people with me? Or maybe you're the introvert and you have a few close friends that's part of your inner circle and you're like, I have this figured out. I have my group that I need. All right? Well, what makes this community here, this church, like so distinct is one major thing that we all have in common. So here's the second thing. We need community that is Jesus-centered. We are always making relationships based off of things that we have in common. Like, that, that's human nature. We make relationships with people because we have like interest. All right? Uh, we do this. Like, we like to do the same thing in our spare time as someone else, so we bond over that. We cheer for the same team, or maybe we at least just watch the same sport together, and we bond over that. We like to spend time outdoors, hunting, fishing, walking, so we bond over that, and we build relationships around that. We bond over shared interests, like this is natural. Think about the friendships that you have in life and how many of those probably started. They most likely had some common ground between you and them to bond over. Well, as followers of Jesus, this, this is the single most important thing in our lives. Our devotion and our allegiance to God and to following him. That is the most important, at least it should be, the most important thing in our life. So when someone else has that same interest, it means that we share the most important thing in our life together as common ground. All right? We should feel a closeness because of that. I've said this before. Uh, you have more in common with a Christian that is in China right now that does not speak your language, lives in a different culture, lives in a different time zone, Everything like that. Everything's completely different, but they're a follower of Jesus. You have more in common with that person than your next-door neighbor that lives in the same town, has the same culture, votes the same as you, 
whatever it would be, watches the same sports, cheers on the same team, whatever it is, like you have more in common because that is the weight that is carried by our relationship with God. That having that in common outweighs every other thing that we could have in common. But we don't always feel that. We, we don't, we might sit there and say, I, I don't know, I just, I don't feel that same thing. Maybe you need to ask, like, okay, are you actually giving that then the importance that it should have in your life? Maybe you don't feel that connection because really this, this relationship with God is one of many hobbies and pastimes for you. And you can connect over that one as much as you can connect over fill in the blank. That means that we need to change that. This needs to carry that weight, that importance for us. So you may have other community. But the closeness you share there should be second to the closeness that you share with the people in this room. Even if you don't know someone's name, like that closeness should be greater. And unfortunately, when we have closeness with people who don't share our desire to follow Jesus, it can lead us in different directions, and sometimes directions that we maybe shouldn't go. In Genesis 11, there's a story where a bunch of people are coming together. If you kind of keep tracking this idea of community through the Bible. All right, this is after the flood. And they build a great city in Babylonia. People are working together in community. Right, like when you look at that, you should say, okay, God wants community. They're working together in community. This should be a good thing. You would think that God would love that. Well, the community had common ground and they had a common goal. And that goal was to big, build the biggest tower they could so that they could become famous and do things in their own way and kind of make a name for themselves. Like that was the common ground that they had. Well, God says, look, they are united. He says that. He says, look, it, they're, they're being a community. They're united. They have common ground, but that common ground isn't healthy and is actually leading them away from me. So what God does is he steps in and he confuses the languages Okay, this is the Tower of Babel, confuses the languages, and now people are actually broken into smaller communities. And this is an instance of God saying, hey, yes, you have relationship. Yes, you have community, but it's not the way it's supposed to be. And it's actually leading you away from me, and I need to step in to protect you in this moment. So it is possible to have community and it not be healthy. And I think we all know that. I don't need to make that point too heavily here. Well, the easiest way to make sure that a community is healthy is to look at what the common ground and common goals are. And you should know that if the common ground is built on Jesus, it has a far better chance of being a healthy community. And this does not mean that we can't be part of any other group or anything like that. Like, don't, don't take that away from this. Like, we need to have that. All right, I'm a proponent of having friends with, with people that know nothing about God and, and you have common ground in other areas. Like, we need that in our life. Okay, we absolutely need that. But we do need to have these God-centered communities as well. The third thing would be this. We need communities that will help us grow, help us grow, and the kingdom of God grow. There are many groups you can join, you can be part of, that really are, are somewhat selfish by nature. And sometimes churches fall into this category. Okay, groups where the focus is all about what you can get out of it. Okay, think of a country club. You pay your dues to be a member of a country club. Then in return, you get things. 
You get the usage of the grounds. You get to be part of this maybe elite group, right? Uh, and your status, most likely in some way, will kind of rise because of the people that you're rubbing shoulders with, all these things. All right, like you pay in, and then you get certain things back in return. Okay, or a little bit different type of group, but follow me on this one. Insurance. Okay, like I pay a monthly premium, and I pay it whether I think I need it or not. And then when the day comes, and I think that I need insurance, like it better be there for me. Okay, even though it won't be, and they'll find every stinking loophole they can to say, oh, actually, no, that's not something that we're here for you on. Okay, anyways, that's a tangent that we're not going down today. Unfortunately, some Christians, inadvertently or on purpose, I don't know, view the church in these types of ways. Okay, like I am going to pay my dues at church and then I get to be part of the church and I can use the church's resources from time to time and I get to join in on certain events that I think sound fun to me and now I have this group of people that I am part of uh, and maybe these new connections that can kind of elevate me in some type of way. I pay in maybe with money or I pay in with my time and I get things in return. Or churches like insurance, like I'm going to be part of this and I'll pay my monthly or weekly premiums and then when I need that back from the church to do certain things, like it better be there for me. The biggest problem with this mindset is it's super easy to begin to then view God in that same way. God, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to church on a somewhat regular basis. I give maybe some money to church. Now it is your job to make sure that nothing bad happens in my life. And if something bad does happen, you better fix it pretty quickly. That's a mindset that I think probably at some point, each one of us have had in some way or another. Maybe you were able to quickly kind of move beyond it and be like, nope, that's not healthy. But if you've been there before where something happens in your life, something falls apart, something goes wrong, and you're like, God, this isn't supposed to be. This isn't how it should be. I've done my part. You need to do your part. Like that, that's kind of the mindset that we end up with. And this sounds silly, but I think how often do we, do we have this? Like some big crisis happens. And people then walk away from God, walk away from the church because that crisis happens. And in their mind, it shouldn't have because I was doing my part. God has let me down and he has let his side of the bargain down. The church has let me down. And really, in order to view the church in this way, you have to view the church as an organization or like an entity, like the church as this, kind of like the church or the government or the school, like viewing it in that type of a way. Because what happens is, is when you end up viewing the church as like this building or this organization, uh, and then maybe you even view the leaders of the church, like you view pastors as kind of like the CEO of the company type of thing, like uh, I, I think this is what happens is then we start to hold them responsible, thinking, okay, the church let me down. The pastors were supposed to be there. They let me down. When we view the church as a community, instead of an organization that we pay dues to, like when we view it as a community that we have common ground with, that, that changes what we expect of the church. I think this is part of why the idea of denominations has become a lot less prevalent nowadays. It used to be, I even remember when I was growing up, like every church was just named after whatever they were. 
right? Like it was, I grew up in Little Falls Assembly of God. And you just, you knew what it was. When you saw the sign, you're like, okay, yep. First Baptist Church. Okay, I know what that is. You know, whatever Lutheran church. And like, and they, they would have the denomination as part of the name. Now, lots of times as you, as you go around, you don't see that quite as often. All right? And I think some of that is because um, there's a lot of people, that they, they just don't necessarily care as much about the denomination. And I actually, for one, I think some of this is healthy. I think it can be good. You know, previously, you look at a community, you look at a church, and you say, well, I know exactly what they believe before you ever step foot in there. And you just kind of eliminate certain things, right? Nowadays, I think people are much more likely to walk through the doors and say, okay, you may, I don't want to see your list of, you know, doctrine and beliefs. I want to see, like, actually, what are you living out? Do you actually believe what you say you believe? I don't care that it's written down on some website. Is this actually how you operate? Is this how you live? And I think people want to see that a little bit more. And I, and I think that this, it can be healthy in some ways because what happens then is we are removing the idea of the church as an organization that just has this list of beliefs and instead putting it back into the church as a group of people. What does this group of people believe? How do they live their life? Are they living this out? And that, that is a healthy approach to this. It really is. We are part of a church because of the common ground that we have with other people. Not the common ground that we have with some organization. I think that this is part, this is so important for us. Do we share beliefs with people in this room? And it's funny because last week we actually talked about the idea that in this room we have a lot of different beliefs as well. And that's good. That's healthy. It really is. So if we shouldn't view a church as a country club or as insurance, what should we see it as? We see it as growth groups. We see it as a a cohort of like-minded people working towards a common goal. Goals that we have established through Scripture. It's a place where people can be there for us when times are hard. Not because we paid our dues and they owe us, but because we are relationally close with them and we love each other. It's a place where we can learn and we can grow together. We can encourage each other as we grow. It's a place where we can correct each other in love. We can, we can count on others to point things out in us if we aren't living the way that we should be living. It's a place where we come together and we celebrate what the Holy Spirit is doing in our community and in our world and in us. We can lift up one voice and praise Jesus together despite the differences that we might have because we have, what we have in common far outweighs what is different. And that, that's why this specific community is needed for every single one of us. There isn't a substitute for it. You can't get this somewhere else, okay? You can't get this watching church behind a computer screen. You can't get this out in the woods or in a deer stand. You can't get this by popping in once a month or every once in a while, like just quite honestly. Actually, when, when that's kind of how you operate, I'm not trying to like, you know, rag on that right now, but when that's how you operate, you're actually going to be the most frustrated because you're going to walk in and you're going to view this group that is close and has community. And, and what you're going to say is, I'm not part of that. 
And every time you walk through the doors, you're going to remind yourself, and you're going to say, man, everyone else seems to love each other, but no one loves me. And it's because if you show up once every two months, no one has a chance to get to know you. You're not, you're not part of the community. So the more you aren't part of it, the more you're going to feel like you aren't part of it. The problem is we end up putting, we, we end up putting like the fault of that on everybody else instead of saying, you know what, I need to step in. I need, I need to own this. I need to be part of this. Community can't be synthesized. Community can't be rushed. And community can't be optional for us. So what does this practically look like? All right. We talk about the idea of serving here. You know, that, that, that's the way that we, we become part of a community, is these life groups and serving. That's kind of the two things we say. If someone comes to me and says, I don't feel like I'm part of the group, I don't feel like I'm growing, I don't feel like fill in the blank, you know, something's falling short, I'm always going to ask them two questions first. Are you in a life group? And are you serving on a team? And if the answer to either of those is no, I'm going to say, okay, let's have this conversation. Once you start to take the steps that you need to take to be part of this, all right? When we serve, it's not because there is some role that must be filled so that the gears of an organization can keep moving and things can move forward. Instead, we serve that we can grow in our giftings that God has given us. We can work alongside other people in our community towards a common goal, and we can get to know the people that we serve next to. The way that we do it here is we schedule you. You're on like the first Sunday, the second Sunday, the third Sunday, the fourth Sunday. So you're always serving for the most part with the same people. It gives you a chance to get to know them better and to kind of grow in those relationships. When we join life groups, it's not so that we have one more thing to add to our busy calendars. Instead, it's so that we can grow in our knowledge of God. We can hear each other's victories and failures. We can build each other up. We can develop new skills, new ways of sharing what really matters to us. When we show up on a Sunday, it's not so that we can tick off a box or, or pay our dues. It's so that we can celebrate together. We can have a, a shoulder to hug or to cry on so that we can lift up one voice worshiping God. Like This is why we come together on a Sunday. Too much of our modern lives has been fractured into this individualistic society. Like, what is in it for me? What do I get out of this? If I'm going to put it on my calendar, I better be getting something big out of this. If I don't get anything, then I don't want it. We were never meant to live in that type of a way. We were meant to live in community, to be in partnership with God and to be in a necessary partnership with each other. And there's no other community outside of the one that is built on the common belief in Jesus that can truly accomplish the greatest task and responsibility that we have been given. There's no amount of charity work that can take the place of this. There's no amount of friend groups that can take the place of this. No amount of volunteering that takes the place of this. No amount of family time. All right? Family is so incredibly important. I love my family. I need to spend time with my family, not, uh, you know, be running from place to place to place. But I'll be honest, I think that in some ways, in America, we have made idols of our own families. And that's probably a whole other topic for another day. But, like, we, we can do this with our family. This doesn't have to take the place of family. We are meant to need this community. 
All right, so whether being part of a community gives you energy because you're extroverted or causes you to lose it because you're introverted, doesn't matter. You were created for this. This is part of the purpose of your life. All right? I want to challenge everyone to take a bigger step into this community. All right, why don't we do this? If you would, why don't we stand as we begin to close? I want to challenge every person to take a bigger step into community. And that probably means something different for everyone. All right? Like everybody in this room, you are at different places. And even actually if you're in the same place as someone else, uh, taking a bigger step into community can look different for two people that are in the same spot. All right, this isn't another event on the calendar. Like, this is what we were created for. This is, this is going to sound dumb, all right? But, like, do you think of breathing as another annoying thing that you have to do each day and take time out of your day to do that? Hopefully not. <laughs> right? Like, do you think of eating as one of those annoying things that takes up all this time in your calendar? Okay, I'm going to be honest. When I get busy, I forget to eat. All right, so there are some of us that that happens. This can't be one of those things that when we get busy and when our calendar is full and we start stopping and thinking like what flexes, what needs to give, don't let it be this community. All right, and I'm trying to word this in a way where I don't sound like a pastor that is standing here saying, you need to be in church every Sunday. Like that's, I'm really not trying to communicate that right now. I think there are seasons where that can't always happen as consistently as you want. But in those seasons, are you pushing and fighting to still be able to have community in some type of way? And this community, because that happens at times. Do you actually fight for this? Do you fight for church in your life? Or at the slightest inconvenience on a weekend or, or during something else, you're like, well, I guess we just, we just won't go to church. It's just easier. It's inconvenient right now to go and do that. Like, do you kind of just roll over? Or are you like, no, we are going to do everything we can. I remember one night, and okay, so this is a, a rare time where I'm going to use myself as an example, and it's not a bad example, because to be honest, I have a lot more of that in my life, okay? There was a night. Emily was gone, my wife Emily, and she had taken our car, um, and then we have the minivan. And I had all the kids, and I needed to get them here on a Wednesday night. Okay, well, she was in St. Cloud, I think, for school or something like that. And all of a sudden, I realized I left my van keys in the car. And her van keys are on her car keys. So I have no way of starting our van. Okay, and it was a, a Wednesday night thing. I didn't have any reason that I needed to be here. The kids were just going to be at church, and I'm running around crazy trying to figure this out. And in that moment, I'm like, you know what? No, like, it would be so much easier just to say, all right, whatever. It's Wednesday night. Like, let's just hang out at home. This is easier. Uh, we'll eat dinner, get ready for bed. That's fine. But in that moment, I just kind of felt this a little bit of a fire. And I'm going to be honest, it wasn't me. Like, a little bit of a fire in me that was like, no, like, you can still make it. You can do something about this. You can fight for this. 
And so I like loaded the kids up and we had them on a stroller and I like put a bunch of candy in my pocket and I'm, cause I'm like, we're going to have to walk fast. Like we were, we were cutting it close on time. And I'm like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Like every block that the kids make it, I'm going to give them another piece of candy and be like, all right, at the end of this block, you get another Tootsie Roll. All right, let's do it. Yeah. And we're like going and we're walking from the other side of town. You know, at least we live in town. Okay. We're walking from the other side of town. At this point, you know, I probably have like a six-year-old, a five-year-old, and a three-year-old or two-year-old, and so this is not ideal. And I'm like pushing her in the stroller, and she's screaming because she wants to walk. And I'm like, if you walk, it's going to take us an hour to get there. But in, in, in that moment, I'm like, I'm going to fight for this. And I, I honestly don't know why. Like, that's not, I wanted to stay at home. Like, is that our attitude when it comes to community? I'm going to fight for this. This needs to be part of my life. This needs to be something that, that I need. And it's, it's not that I need to be at church because I need to be sitting in that room and, and ticking that off the box. And, and, and it's not that, you know, like, I'm a better Christian because I show up to church more often. Like, uh, hear me on this. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is, like, we need each other. We need this community. You need it. Someone else needs you. You might be sitting there saying, my week was fine. I don't need to go to church this weekend. Things are going well. What about the person that sits next to you at church? What if their week was absolutely terrible and they're sitting there just saying, I, I just need to get to church. I need to be around other people that can be there, that can put a hand on my shoulder and say, hey, I love you. It's okay. You're going to make it through this. We're going to make it through this. We need each other. Don't underestimate that. So I want us just to take a moment right now. What does it look like for you to take a bigger step into community? We have some people in the room, you're here like every single Sunday. So again, if I were just talking about Sunday attendance, what would that mean for you? Like that, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about community as a whole. Because you can come here every week and not be connecting with people. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to put it on you. If you're not connecting with people, all right, there are times where, yeah, maybe people kind of get a little clicky here and there. But the reality is, like, this is on us. What are you doing? Are you stepping out? Are you introducing yourself? Are you getting into a life group? Are you building those relationships? So what does it look like for you to take a bigger step into community? I want to pray, and we'll close. God, I thank you that, that I have this community that I can be part of. Lord, I know that I, I need this community probably more than anybody else in this room. And there are days where I just don't feel like it. Where if I listen to my emotions, if I listen to what's going on in my head, I would isolate myself. I would become distant. I would put on a mask and I would walk in and just say, hey, how's it going? How's the weather? And, and, and make small talk, but I wouldn't truly engage. God, I pray that you would challenge me. Lord, what does it look like to go deeper? What does it look like to take a bigger step into this? Lord, and I pray that you would challenge every single one of us in this room. God, that we would find a way to become more involved 
God, not to be more involved in an organization, but to, but to be more involved in each other's lives. To have a greater capacity to love and encourage other people. God, that we wouldn't take this for granted. Lord, that our kids, the next generation, would see us involved in community. Instead of us just telling them that this is important and they need to be part of it, God, that we would model that. We would live that out. That we would fight for our place in community. That we would fight for our family to be in community. God, give us that fire inside of us that nothing else would take the place of this. Nothing else would stand in the way of this. God, give us clear direction, each one of us individually here. What does it look like to be together? God, and that we would respond to that. Lord, we ask this in your name. Amen.